Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pat's Chat. Today I'm with Roshan Kiran. He's the founder of Lidronomics. Hi Roshan, how are you today? Very good, very good. You know, stuck here at home, uh, as you can see, uh, we, are, we are all in lockdown in Malaysia. So, uh, you know, no, no leaving the house, right? <laughs> Still ongoing four weeks now, I think. Um, yeah, so I think it's five weeks, right? I think it's going to be our sixth week next week. Yeah, so fast, yeah. so fast. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, well, for joining me. I know it's a busy time for your company, also. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go right in the in the discussion that we wanted to to have. Above all, uh, about leadership. I think that's the uh, very important topic. Uh, any any days but nowadays even even more uh, first of all i want to know a little bit uh, about your past and uh, let's start with your uh, bachelor degree uh, that was in international yeah. business and you did that in yes. connecticut in in us yes, I was university of bridgeport that's right yeah so i, I actually got uh, it's where i met my wife actually uh, we were on the same flight uh, uh, going to the US oh. uh, uh, and, and we met on the plane. Um, but but um, I, I think more interestingly, I got a scholarship actually to go there. And then when I was there, I actually ended up playing soccer um, for uh, the university and uh, doing it for all my full uh, couple of years, uh, ending up being the assistant captain. It was fantastic. We had, a, we had a fantastic team and we challenged for the NCAA and a number of other things. I mean, we were, we were, we were you know, in, in our division. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we started off uh, not very strong team and then we, you know, kept growing from uh, leaps and bounds. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I managed to continue my, uh, my uh, what do you call it, uh, my love for, for sports uh, in the US uh, awesome, with, yeah. with uh, university. And then um, I also ended up becoming student congress uh, president. So I led the student body in the, in the university. Uh, and I started a newspaper there. So it was very interesting. And then at that point in time is where uh, General Electric um, was at that, you know, General Electric was also headquartered in Connecticut. And, um, you know, I think they had been reading about me in the papers and, you know, in, in the US, the papers are very local, you know, the Fairfield News and the Bridgeport Times and a whole bunch of other newspapers. I can't remember what they were, but, but um, you know, I got an internship with GE and somehow that translated my boss uh, liked me and offered me a job. Uh, and then after I finished my university, uh, so I continued working while I was in university. And after I finished university, I got into GE's very uh, exclusive uh, leadership program. They call it wow. the financial management program. So, awesome. so that's kind of how. Oh, wait, I, give me a second. Give me a second here because that was like like that was like a dozen of stories already. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, besides, you met your wife in the plane. That that's already a funny story. Uh, but um, you got a scholarship for for football, like soccer, and they call it. Well, US, it was so. combined. It was like academic also because I, I had done really yeah. relatively well. Um, and, you know, I ended up with a very pretty, pretty solid. I was a 3.9 something GPA, I mm -hmm. think, out of four. Um, so it was, it was kind of like what we call the scholar athlete. Uh, you know, you, you had a combination of everything. Um, but but it, it was good. I mean, uh, you know, having that, you know, they paid for your food, they paid for your, your dorm, <laughs> paid for your tuition fee, you know, pretty much uh, everything. Not too uh, bad. Other than, you know, and then and whenever I work, because I did work still, uh, all that money belonged to me, right? No loans mm. to pay, and so, on. so it worked out pretty nicely. Wow, awesome! Uh, really it, awesome. It was given yeah. by the university, so it was yeah. a scholarship from the university, not from the government or from oh, another body. Okay. It was actually from the university itself. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because like soccer at that time in US was not so popular, right? So you must have been like a great player in Malaysia that they. I, I, I don't think them. I was. I think <laughs> I think it's like there was a perception that oh you know and, and probably nobody played it. Uh, you know in our team very interestingly, uh, in my team there was one American 
uh, in the second year. My first year, there was absolutely no Americans, right? There was one American player in the entire team. Uh, the rest were from Argentina, from Europe. I mean, we had a bunch of guys from uh, Britain, uh, from, from Sweden, from uh, Poland. There was a really solid uh, uh, ex-national player, actually, from Poland. Uh, and then we had a couple of guys from Africa and South America, a couple. So it was a very nice, uh, you know, international you know, setup. Like a nation uh, uh, team, yeah. Everyone speaking all kinds of language. So, you know, we ended up having to speak English, so it was good. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, great. So uh, you, you already mentioned you uh, started with ExxonMobil. Uh, no, the General Electrics also. Yeah, I actually, started, I actually had an in. I, I worked with Mo, uh, Exxon um, mm -hmm. before I went to GE. Um, yeah. And that was because I was, when I came to the US, I had this scholarship and everything, but I didn't have any money, right? So I ended up working in a, in a petrol station uh, or what we call a gas station, an Exxon gas station. And I got promoted up to become the deputy manager of the, the station. Um, and I ended up on payroll of uh, Exxon, uh, actually running this whole uh, op, uh, a, a gas station, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 uh, and at that point in time, I quit actually to take on the internship with GE. So I, I worked there for a couple of years actually with, with Exxon, uh, but, but really hands-on, dirty, you know, pumping petrol, running the station, you know, getting up at 5 in the morning and opening up the station at 5.30, you know, making coffee, uh, and selling coffee and, you know, it's about six, you know, all these Americans will run in to buy coffee and have their little fix for the day uh, and then saying, good morning, good morning to everybody. And uh, <laughs> so it was, it was, a <laughs> so that, that Exxon was really a very operational role, uh, yeah. running a gas station. Literally, you know. But I think it's good to start with that because like you will always remember that and like how like really the tough work also like uh, at the front end will, what, what it means. And yep, yep absolutely. Uh, Okay, then uh, let's move on to, to GE. And of course, uh, I can already understand the connection with GE and uh, the then um, uh, CEO, which was Jack Welch, right? Uh, which is one of the most inspiring leaders uh, anyway. He was. Uh, he was. Yeah. And scary and very scary. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? No, I mean, I mean Jack, Jack, you know, okay, so I, I joined GE in 94, like, yeah, 94. Uh, 95 um, and and when I when I came into GE right you know Jack had this reputation of you know if he didn't like what he see you'd be fired right I mean that that you know so you you kind of like oh you know and uh, and I remember you know my first interaction with him actually was when he came to Malaysia um, so I, I I had a couple you know actually I had a couple of interactions with him uh, in Fairfield when I was uh, hitting up the Y2K project so I actually did a role where I was program manager for Y2K. So I had, I had met him, but more, you know, very superficially, you know, kind of like two minutes here and, you know, you're kind of showing something. You're kind of the, the guy who's presenting a deck, but, you know, and, and, you know, he really didn't care about Y2K. But when he came, when I, when I took on the role in Malaysia, so in Malaysia, I came in to run an aviation shop um, and I came for a business review and you really, and he started to grill you, like, tell me what's happening, you know, what's happening in Malaysia business. And then, you know, at the end of that review, he goes visit customers with you. And in that trip, he actually gets rid get rid of our Asia CEO, right? Because he doesn't like what happened during one of the meetings, right? Uh, of course, it's written up in a very different way, right? It's written up in like, oh, okay, you know, this guy has decided part company. But, you know, being there, I'm like, whoa, what just happened, right? You kind of get really scared. But at the same time, you're so inspired by the guy because what he says, is, you know, one of the things uh, early on I remember that he said was this, you know, he said face reality as it is, not how you like it. Right. And so, you know, I was just telling my team, like COVID, right? Come on, face reality. No, no, no. Everyone's telling me, no, in two months' time, everything will be fine. We're back to normal. Our revenue will be back again. So I'm like, come on, things are not going to be the same. People are, you know, this, this, you know, you, do you think you're going to have events 
big events anymore? I, I don't think so, no. I mean, I, I think a lot of this will be scaled down significantly. It's going to impact my training business. It's going to impact our face-to-face business or our events business. And so there, there's a lot of impact, right? So we need to be realistically, you know, we need to face reality, not how we like it, but how it is, right? And we need to then change and say, look, how do we do the same thing, but virtually? Because it's possible, right? It's possible to have virtual conferences and virtual summits and virtual training and virtual webinars, like the, the stuff. And, and, and virtual conversations like the one we're having right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, after, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Jack was inspiring because he will tell you the truth as it is, right? And mm. I think sometimes, especially in Asia, right? Truth is very hard because we, we don't like feedback. Uh, feedback is a painful thing, right? But I mean, if you look at what Jack tells you, right? Jack tells you feedback is good for you because if you don't know what's wrong with you, how are you going to change, right? Um, so, so, I mean, you, you look at a guy, right? And he's, he's like, the, the, the scary part is that truth is very painful, but at the same time, you need truth to change, right? Um, because if not, it won't change. So I, I'm, I'm inspired. I mean, but we, you know, as an employee, you're always scared, right? Uh, but then when I started saying, so what, what's the worst that can happen? He fires you. So what? Right. Uh, you know, when, in, in the olden days, when somebody gets fired from G, it's like a badge of honor and some company will take you on anyway. Back then, oh, yeah. <laughs> probably not just, now. But just you, because you, you work oh, for GE, right? Yeah. yeah, I work for GE. It's like, okay, come work for me. Right? Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I used to get offers all the time, right? So it, okay. wasn't, it was like, you know, it was kind of, a, so what's the worst, right? And then you yeah. start to realize it's not a bad thing, right? You know, um, true, you know true. And I think he built, he built a tremendously interesting company. Yeah, but okay. I had seven years of Jack. And I had seven years of Jeff, right? The new CEO. So GE yeah. was uh, interesting for me. It was like, you know, I had nine, nine different roles in GE, right? Uh, wow. Over the okay. yeah. years that I was there. Um, and, you know, from, from technology role with Y2K to uh, mostly finance, I was CFO, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a finance roles in a number of places. I was an NBC TV company. I was in aviation, which is a uh, jet, you know, we kind of did uh, GE's jet engines, the service. I was, in the serv- I was running a service shop, uh, overhaul shop. You know, I had, uh, you know, a little bit of time in healthcare. Uh, I was in corporate. Uh, I was in G Capital for a bulk of my time. Oh. G Capital is a banking arm. Uh, so, you know, I was in Europe uh, with G Capital. I was uh, in, uh, in, in US with G Capital. Um, you know, and then I, I, I was in Asia. I helped G Capital a little bit in the Thai business, um, you know, mm-hmm. and also in, 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 in trying to look at acquisitions. Awesome, um, so, you know, there's, there's a number of things that, you know, so to me, that, that was super rich experience, right? Um, yeah, you know, never, I can understand, never really, yeah. Never, yeah, we never really slept much, but you know, the kind of, <laughs> I tell you, it's like uh, everything I learned, I think I learned from GE, right? Yeah. Uh, and you saw a lot of different fields and industries if you want, right? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's for sure an uh, awesome experience. Yeah. It, it helps you be very agile, I think, uh, mm. which is which is what I learned. Uh, the agility is very important. Okay, okay, great. Then before you started Leadronomics, you still worked for J&J, I think back in yes. Malaysia at that yes. time? Well, actually, it was uh, it was not in Malaysia. It was based in the US, but it was kind of a it was a kind of global role. But I convinced them that I will stay put in Malaysia. So I traveled from Malaysia to wherever I wanted to go to. But um, yeah, so JJ was going through this. You know, they 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 were at a point at that time. They were a very decentralized organization. I think they still are, and they wanted to centralize it a little bit. And so they brought me in as the global talent director. Mm-hmm. Um, and global talent, uh, you know, in in terms of looking at global the talent globally, and how do you build hypo programs? You know, for so you know, I spent some time in Europe building the the hypo program there. You know, I went to India, to Japan, to to you know, a couple of countries in Asia. I spent a lot of time in the U.S. Uh, working on consolidating the succession planning program. Uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a standard succession planning across the board, and also performance management. How do you standardize it across the board? Uh, so a lot of things that we did at GE, right? They liked, and they said, how do we standardize? Because J is very J J is very decentralized. 
and that's part of the magic. You know, I, I like JJ. It's you know, to me, I, I love JJ. I mean, JJ was such a wonderful company because they had such heart. You know, in GE, right? When I left uh, GE, my boss was like, gave me a call and say, hey, all the best, uh, whatever. You know, boom, <laughs> and you're gone, right? Uh, I was 14 years there in JJ, right? When I when I told them I'm resigning and I wanted to, you know, focus on this startup that I'm starting called Economics. You know, they were like. Come to come to China. Let's organize a farewell. Come to you know US. Let's organize a farewell. Come to India. I'm like I'm having farewell after farewell, and, and like dude, I've been here two years, and you guys are crying, and you know it's like we have family, you know. And I'm like wow, wow. Uh, you know, it's like but but you know it's it's and and what what JJ gave me, I thought was a completely different dimension that actually decentralization works, right? Because what G taught me was that centralization works, but what JJ taught me was decentralization also works, right? And it also taught me new things that when you are decentralized, leverage it. When you are centralized, leverage it. Because don't try to be imitating other people. So when JJ tried to you know, do this whole thing of trying to centralize, it didn't really work so well. Um, because the core DNA of a company, there's some what we call secret sauce that's baked in. Mm. And you need to understand yeah. your secret sauce and build on top of it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I think yeah, it's I really uh, think I, the company's culture, right? Which is so important. Yeah, and then, uh, because in this, yeah, in this huge corporate, yeah, you cannot absolutely. simply change it, you know? And uh, I think that's, uh, as you said, the DNA, uh, it's like that. And then it's that uh, model that works best for that company. But it's two tremendous companies. I mean, I have absolute respect for GE and J&J uh, yeah. &J and yeah. the lessons I learned from both of them. And, um, I think very interestingly is also, um, you know, if you, if you really think about um, um, uh, how they've evolved, I think J&J has done relatively well. Uh, GE has just gone, you know, completely, you know, out of the radar, right? I mean, completely blow up, blown up, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of sad to see, you know, and, and GE is the, probably the oldest company, right? Out there, you know, to some extent on the Dow Jones, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. from Thomas Edison, right? I mean, it started, its roots were from Thomas Edison, right? Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, with, with, with light bulbs, right? Mm. General Electric was really, uh, it used to be, you know, uh, uh, Edison General Electric, I think it's what, what we used to call it, and then it became General Electric, right? Wow. Um, okay. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's and, and this is a good warning for all of us, right? Even big companies can falter, right? Um, so, so, you know, no matter how good and big and strong you are, you know, there's, there's, you, you got to be vigilant, you got to be agile, you got to, understand the environment in your you got to be aware right uh and and face reality as it is not as you like as you think it is or as, as you as you wish it is you know? yeah it's a good it's a good saying yeah yeah i i love that really so so as you mentioned 2009 i think it was uh, you decided to start leaderonomics um what, what motivated you to do that or what was the trigger for you to start this company yeah so i i you know one of the things when i came back to malaysia um, and this was in 99 when I, when I was running the aviation shop from Malaysia, um, I started to realize that there's a fundamental issue with Malaysians, right? So we, we, we seem to be very talented outside of Malaysia, but somehow in Malaysia, we don't seem to be very talented, right? Um, and, and we had this brain drain where the best used to go out. And, and what, what I realized is that actually the same Malaysian in Malaysia is talented. It's just that they don't have the self-confidence, um, and there's some, there's some, you know, if you look at the leadership development, how people, how leaders are developed, right? You, you, you learn a skill and then you practice it and then you become very good at it. But then for you to execute it well, you need to have self-confidence, right? Let's say I teach you how to ride a bike. You actually know how to ride a bike, but you have an accident and you feel I can't, right? Even though you have the skills to ride a bicycle, you won't ride a bicycle because you don't have the self-confidence and we need to give you that self-confidence. And somehow in Malaysia, right? 
we've got a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm born in Malaysia. I can't compete with these Americans or these Europeans. Or, ah, oh, come on. You know, who are we? We're, we're small. We are, no. And, and this, this seed, right, grows into a belief that stays for people for a long time, right? And so I said, look, part of leadership development is flawed in Malaysia. And so I started Leronomics, more of an NGO, right, was to go to young people and say, how do we look at leadership development and say, look, there is a skill development part, which a lot of people do. We have a lot of education. But what about the confidence building part? How do I build confidence? And this is intentional, right? So I give you an example. One of the first things we did is run leadership camp. Uh, in 2008, we start, in 2007, we started this, right? Um, so we, we started leadership camps. And in the camp, right, we designed a camp for the campus, right, to get a project that is massive. Right? And the first day they fail, the second day they fail, the third day they fail. But somehow on the fourth or fifth day, when they present to the CEO, right, they succeed. Right? So what happens, right? they have this fail, fail, succeed model where when they succeed, suddenly they realize, right, which is intentionally developed. So no matter how bad their, their, their thing is, the, the, the context we create, the CEOs get very excited and ultimately, they ultimately succeed. Right? And so what happens is we intentionally develop self-confidence. Right? And now they believe that they can be leaders. Right? And so once you start believing, then you start saying, I can keep doing this. And, I can. and then we give projects. We call that MAP projects. Right? So we started as an NGO. But as time went on, we, you know, companies like Microsoft and Sam Darby and Maxis and a couple other companies, right, they, they came to us and said, hey, you know, we like what, you see, what you're doing with the kids. Can you do that for our employees? Because they need it too. You know? These guys can't execute. Right? They can't, and, and so we started to take this gamified, uh, scientifically designed modules and we started to incorporate it in companies. But we did it slightly differently. We started to do it uh, in a way that says, look, we don't want to do training. We want to do it based on your business strategy. So tell me your business strategy. We'll translate it into learning interventions so that we will build capacity that way. Right? So, so really, Leronomix started as an NGO, but we grew into... And, and then when we did it for companies, we realized that, hey, maybe I don't need to fund this NGO thing myself. I can take the money that we get from the companies and use it to fund our community work. Mm -hmm. So that's how we started. But one thing led to another, and before long, you know, we were, we were one of the biggest uh, corporate <laughs> learning providers you know, in the country. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. The development that's, that's the story, you know. The development is really, really great over these uh, 10 years. Uh, also, like this 10 years ago, I, I read one of the early interviews that you gave. I think it was with uh, Star Media. Uh -huh. And uh, mm -hmm. I have an interesting quote there. Uh, I want to uh, know about this a little bit no. more. The, the, the quote was, um, uh, uh, it was kind of self-assessment, right, that you did. And you said, like, okay, my biggest weakness is that I cannot say no. Um, so if, if you uh, look at that in, uh, like, 10 years yeah. ago, that was your biggest weakness. W would you say that is still your weakness today, or how did that change? I, I, I think it's evolving, you know. I think I've learned uh, many times. I think a lot of it now is when it comes to business, right? Before this, and you start to understand the need to be, have clarity and focus. Right. And so when you have clarity and focus, you know how to say no. Uh, I, I think that's one of the important things I've learned is that my problem is that when everything sounds exciting, everything is a yes. Right. But when you have clarity and focus, then you know what is no and what is yes. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know when you need to jump in and when you don't need to jump in. Right. Um, so I think that so having having that, that thought process to say, OK, what is yes and what is no is important. Right. And what should I focus on? What shouldn't I focus on? Um, so that has helped. But at the same time, I think it's still, you know, if you see, you know, if you see, you, you see somebody and say, look, I, if there's an opportunity to help somebody, I think that's harder to say no. Um, you know, it's, if there's an opportunity to help somebody, it's hard to say no. Yeah, or yeah. at least 
help them to find some, you know, connect them with somebody, right? You know, so, you know, you, you know, Patrick, you come to me and say, okay, okay, fine. W worst case, if I can't help you, uh, I will connect you with somebody that may, have, may be able to help you, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's a way of, of saying no, but in a way that, you know, makes you feel a little bit better. About it's more like the delegating like, way of doing it, right? Maybe, yeah, yeah. So, but, but I think the business side, I think it's solved. Right? I think that, that one I'm pretty clear that, you know, we have to say no sometimes. And sometimes we say no to a customer, right? Uh, because it's like, look, I want to focus on virtual transactions. I don't want, you know, all these traditional transactions. So yeah. sometimes we go to traditional transactions, right? Uh, even though it, it's, uh, you know, it's nice money, but, you know, it doesn't make sense in the, yeah, in the scheme yeah. of where I understand. I understand. Lots of learning. I, I see you have a tremendous amount of experience, especially of leadership. And, and before we talked already about uh, Jack Welch and uh, what I can also recommend is the book that you you wrote or you co-authored, uh, Leadership Nuggets. You, you gave me a yeah. copy of that, like when we met the yeah. first time. I really appreciate that. Yeah. There's some And, and you awesome can download it for free, you know, you can download oh, it for okay. free at uh, Leromix. Yeah, if you go to leromix.com under our uh, our publications you'll be able okay to that's up. great i, I share the link uh, later yeah. what impressed me yeah. most is like uh well jack welch uh wrote an article in there and by the way also yes. um john maxwell um right. which true. i consider like my my virtual mentor and my, my leadership coach which i, I right. really admire yeah. Yeah. um how, how did you manage to get this to above all so, these two like to write yeah so if, if you if you go to leadronomics.com you'll see John Maxwell still writes for us, uh, you know, on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. I think he, he still sends, whenever he writes, he, he sends his articles to us. We have Jack, uh, who passed away recently. So, he, I, you know, we have all, uh, archive of all of his previous articles. So, until he passed away, you know, we were getting uh, articles from him. Uh, we've got others too, Jeff Hayden and a bunch of others, right? Um, and and, and so even Simon Sinek, uh, you know, has, has contributed early days. He started contributing a lot of articles. Mm -hmm. um, so, one of the things we started to do is that, you know, Leadermist.com is a free content site, right? Everything is free, right? Including the books, right? When we do these things, you know, so the book is just a compilation of a couple of really good articles, mm -hmm. right? And we're doing another one uh, relatively soon. And, and the idea is to give as much leadership content and make it accessible. See, the, 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 when we started Leadermist, I told you we started with the NGO mindset, meaning I want to give um, and, and over time, right, if there's opportunity for us to build partnerships where we can get something out of it, then that's great. But if we don't, we still want to give, right? And so, um, you know, those guys understand our model. They understand that, you know, we are, we are not just, there's no commercialization. It's all free. Um, and, and I mean, what we did was we just wrote to them, right? I mean, we literally wrote to these guys and said, would you like to write for us and check it out and we'll publish you, we'll put it in a newspaper because we used to run a, a, you know, we have a digital magazine and we also ran, we, we, we bought a few pages yep. from the star every, every week and we used to publish it. Uh, when print was sexy, not, not, not sexy anymore, so <laughs> we, we, stopped, we stopped that. Um, but previously, we, we ran it in the star. Um, so, you know, and, and, and uh, the, the digital magazine is still there. So, and these guys, they, they looked at what we did and they said, look, great, I'd like to be part of it, you know. Um, so we've got, you know, two, three hundred writers, right, uh, who contribute uh, articles to us. And, and I think we are probably one of the best leadership sites, if not the best, I think, uh, out here in Asia and potentially the world, right? I mean, our biggest readership is from the US, uh, you know, so you know, I just saw the numbers today. Uh, yesterday, 60,000 readers, uh, just one wow. day. I mean, yesterday. Um, That's really so, so awesome, yeah. Uh, it's 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 pretty good, uh, you know. When we when we that's great. When we have that kind of a, a readership on a daily basis, you know. It's a, it's a, a fantastic achievement, I would say, and I'm really happy and, and proud to see that coming out of Malaysia. Uh, congratulations on that. 
Um, as you mentioned, uh, just just now you mentioned like okay, when printing was still sexy. So uh, last few minutes, so we, we can spend on the digital and the digital transformation because that's what uh, is currently uh, going on. And you just mentioned also before, like companies missing this uh, this um, area. You know, they will uh, probably yeah. left left behind. And uh, over the last few weeks, um, you. Uh, posted or you you offered for free like these uh, webinars uh, together with HRTF I think uh, yeah, which I also yeah. had a look at a couple of them they were really some were really really good on, on self-development yeah. the, the future readiness technologies and uh, when we talk about the, all this the future technologies or, or also the digital transformation we also understand that the leadership in this digital age uh, need, need to change um, so, so what is the changes that you see, and what is the recommendation that you give, like uh, specifically to the leadership yeah. in this uh, for this area? Yeah. So I, I, I think initially a lot of it is mindset. Uh, you know, I think I think it's very tough where you you you, you see we we a lot of people, including my own <coughs> business, right? My own team, right? And and I have you know const- I'm having another conversation a few in our in a couple more minutes with with my team is. You know, they, they, there's going to be a phase where, where whenever you have a crisis, right? There's a denial, then there's anger, then there's bargaining. No, it's not. Come on, it's going to just be another two months. Don't worry. And then you get to a point of acceptance, right? And then, and then you you know, reality kicks in, and you start to understand that ooh, actually things are changing. And now you realize you're in a crisis, and you need to fix yourself, right? So what happens in a lot of businesses, uh, you know, is that when we have a crisis like this, you know, people say, oh, we go digital. But in their mind, it's superficial. Let's have Zoom calls. Let's have this. This is superficial digitization, right? Because it's not actual transactional digitization, right? Because when, when you start to see the transactions get digitized, then you know you're moving the needle, right? So what is superficial? Oh, yeah, yeah, we are very digital. I'm having Zoom calls. We are having virtual meetings. Oh, we are, we are digital. But come on, that's not digital, right? How is your business model morphed? How is your structure morphed? How is your culture morphed, right? And, and how is your, you know, your, your, your different services offerings, you know, uh, you know, in terms of your products and services, right? And so, you know, I told my team, come on. I mean, you, you say, yeah, we're doing coaching, but you're just doing, yeah, we're having coaching, but you're doing virtually, right? The actual model itself has not morphed because, you know, the moment, the moment this MCO is lifted, we'll go back to the traditional way. So there's no real digital change. And 90, 90% of the companies are that way, right? Mm-hmm. There is a superficial change because you have to, and then you go back to the old ways, right? But what I'm forcing my team to do is let's really look at this and say, let's not make superficial changes. Let's actually make transactional changes, which means that when we go back to the norm, this is the new norm, right? The new normal of working has to change. So even, even this, right? We, I just had a conversation with my team. I said, look, post-MCO, right? We are going to not let you come back to the office. We're going to have team A, team B, you know, initially for a month or so. But then after that, I, I'm privately saying, maybe we should just close down one of the offices. I got, I got four offices, right? I'm just close down one, close another one. I'm like, then we all share, right? If you want to come, you work. But, all, but that's a possibility, right? Um, because it's okay, right? So that, that's ways of working. But then if you start to look at business model, right? And, and our webinar series was to create awareness because the digital business transaction is different. You know, there is a awareness piece. Digital business, it's, 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 it's you know, we have this digital funnel called IDA, right? You need to create awareness. Then you got to create interest. Then you got to create desire, and then you do the sale, right? Um, you know, you, you do the final sale, right? But your 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 most of us say, okay, let's do a digital business, and then we want to get to sale without actually creating education, you know, the awareness or the education and 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 the interest, and then the desire, right? So part of the webinar series is also partly yeah, 
you know, we, we, we give it out for free, but I mean, part of it is we are a long-term player, right? We, we are creating a product called Virtual Learning Interventions, right? VLIs. Um, and, 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 I, and we're going to market. We, we're the first player in the market uh, on VLIs, right? And, and VLIs are going to be simple, bite-sized, one-hour interventions. And can be coaching, can be team building. But how do you do virtual team building? It's possible. And we've, we have, we have, we've, we've, we've actually piloted this before MCO. Now, we have the opportunity to scale it, right? But we need to create awareness first. We need to create, you know, interest, desire. Because throwing out a product simply, oh, I got a virtual product, and throw, which is what you see every day, you get emails. Oh, we got this virtual, this virtual, that. I don't understand because you need to help me connect the dots as a customer. Because mm. I'm, remember, I'm also at a point where as a customer, you're like, I don't know what's happening, right? Uh, anyway, this, and you're looking at a superficial level anyway. Ah, this, and this too shall pass, right? Uh, yeah. It's the famous quote that's going around everywhere, right? Yeah. So, so to me, you know, we got to start looking at it. And, and as a business leader, you need to start looking and say, okay, if my team doesn't believe me, I need to, you know, cordon off three, four guys and we work on an experiment. And then, you know, webinar is one of our experiments. We have others, right? Um, you know, virtual assessment centers, virtual, uh, uh, what we call uh, virtual courses, you know, virtual programs and stuff like that. So that's, that's fine, right? But how, I, I think many businesses are looking at it at a purely superficial. And once it ends, we go back to our normal. But what they don't realize is that COVID is just accelerating what's going to happen in the future anyway. Right? I mean, if you fast forward five years, this is what, this is how, life is going to be generally, yeah, yeah. right? So COVID is just accelerating it, right? It's, like, it's so, an accelerator and it's also like, a, a, well, we should take it as an opportunity to do a real yeah. digital transformation, as you say, like change the mindset yeah. and not just uh, really digitize like one task, yeah, think, right? Absolutely. And I think one thing good about us is that Malaysia, is our, we don't have a really good government, right? Uh, so essentially, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're there for their own, you know, whatever purpose. And, what helps, we know, you know, as, as business leaders that, you know, you can't depend on the government to save you. You can't depend on the government to come up with ideas. You can't depend on them for anything, right? So you're on your own, which means that you then need to be clever about how you, you attack the, the market. You also then realize that, hey, maybe Malaysia is not my only opportunity because, you know, one of the things I found that's very interesting is that I have no problem calling my customer in India and saying, hey, let's meet and I can have an hour meet with them and they don't get angry. Previously, they say, oh, you know, you never come down to India. Why, why should I give you business? You know, you come down to India, we talk. Right? Today, no problem, right? So, so the good news is that I can, I can access my India market from here and they don't feel offended because previously yeah. people feel very offended when you don't, you know, you know, you build a relationship and all this, right? That's, that's really you know, interesting. I have, I, 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 I'm going to have a bunch of calls in the afternoon with my Singapore guys. I, it's like, no problem, yeah. right? Awesome. Um, and, and and I see and, basically and, also I see the the same like what's happening with uh, work from home or home office right I, I see a lot of companies that say before no there's no way we do that because that never works you know and now they're just forced into it and then they have to do it somehow to make to make it work absolutely yeah okay awesome uh, yeah you, you have some something else let me know I didn't want to interrupt no, you no. No, <laughs> okay. Okay, I think we put uh, an end to this to this chat. That was really awesome. A lot of learnings. Uh, again, I greatly appreciate your your time sharing your experience, your broader experience that you had with leadership. Uh, thank you so much, happy uh, Russian. Happy to. Yeah. No problem. Happy. To. Thanks for the thanks for the you know this invite. Appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, and uh, all the best with the company. I'm uh, sure we will see a lot more interesting things coming up. 
And also I would like to thank to the audience uh, for watching or listening to this episode. I hope uh, I can see you here or connect with you also uh, next time again. Thank you very much. Uh, stay safe. Have a great day. All the best. Of the world is experiencing disruptions, but not for Bigit, for bringing data skills and knowledge to you. Hence, from leading regional data science show and now international life business virtual event right at your fingertips. Find out more about the future. Bigit 2020, the eighth annual data science show on 22nd to 23rd September 2020.